Welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you who just tuning in, this is Just Dad in the Podcast, where we give uh, dads their flowers. I go by the name of Chocolate Dad. It's your boy, Stas. It's your man, I'm Fire. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Just Dad in the Podcast. Like we tell you every week, like, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a stranger. Um, I want to say a huge, huge shout out and thank you to everybody who, you know, supported our back to school drive. Um, it was a huge success. We appreciate it. Every and donation, every book bag, every supply. Yeah, snack. Uh, you know, shout out to the Stoop Barbershop for supplying haircuts for the children. You know, that was dope. Um, when, we, when we first even started this podcast, you know, it was, it was, it was something that we all wanted to do, right? We all obviously knew dads and, 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 and see some season, of course, but it's about, you know, promoting the dopeness of being a father, like giving them their flowers. And a part of that is also giving back, you know, to your community. And I, I, we were really happy and really proud of the success of it. And, you know, the, seeing the kids and knowing that like in 10, 15 years, these are the kids who are gonna be leading our culture. And for me, if one of those kids was like, hey, like that was cool that those guys did that. And then in 10 years does something like that for someone else, wherever they are else in the world, wherever they're doing it, then I feel like we've left a very positive impact on the world and our community. So shout out to everybody for that, man. Shout out to you guys too, man. Y'all, yeah, sure. We was lit, man. We had a good time. Real quick, I want to say, um, just what I felt like was most important for me, because yeah. everybody got their own aspect, their own views on it. For me, it was giving back to those, you know, those single families who really can't, mm-hmm. you know, bottom supplies for their kids or mom can't afford a haircut the first day of school. I or dads. Like, yeah, or dads. Take yeah, away so, that anxiety of that yeah, first, first Yeah, It's one thing off the list that we was able yeah. to give them to um, get them right for the school year. Yeah, because when I know when they, they send like the back to school list from school, that should be like a CVS yeah. receipt. I'm like, I need all of this. Yeah. To do I don't what? remember it being like that when we was kids, man. Nah, me neither. Schools took care of all that for the most part. You just needed two number two pencils. That's what I remember. Yo, I remember and that was kind of hard. You listen, you needed, a, you needed, you needed. <laughs> I remember needing a notebook, and you know my parents were Haitian. On plim, on uh, 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 crayon, and that's it. That's it. That's all you needed. And that's then the school needed. gave you whatever else Schools or whatever. More what. money. It's now a different time. It's a different less. time. And you know, like I said, we're, we're very happy that we were able to you know give back and do something for them. Um, so, you know, we'll keep that going, you know, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what Thanksgiving is going to be here just, just now. So we'll see, uh, about trying to get something done for Thanksgiving too, you know, um, obviously you all can see, we got ourselves very special guests in the studio. I'm man Mo. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, man. What's up people. Um, my name is Moses Verno. I'm a, uh, writer slash director, uh, created, uh, the show Money and Violence as well as The Spot as well as Black, um, also a writer for the show uh, Godfather of Harlem, American Gods, and uh, working on a few other things. That's fire. That's dope. A lot of people haven't, uh, not a lot of people, I, I didn't know that you wrote for American Gods, but that's a show that I enjoy, and a lot of people don't watch it. Like, yeah. like the, with a few people, when I do find that, like, when we talk good. about it, like, we'll sit there and talk for hours about that show because it gets so... In depth. It's so deep into like mythology and a lot of things that people aren't really thinking about that we all like talk about like Easter and Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff. And you're mm-hmm. like, ain't that some shit? But I caught the first season and I didn't catch the rest, but the first season caught me. I just didn't have the time really even sitting watching yeah. it. It definitely pulled me. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was different for me, in all honesty, um, writing for that show. I'm very well versed and I'm very um, diverse, you know, but 
it took me a while to find my footing simply because American Gods operates in its own little world. You know what I mean? So for me to really get myself acclimated with the rules of that world, what the gods can do, what they can't do, what the humans can do. Um, and also just research, you know, researching on the different gods, uh, the different cultures, you know, because for those who don't know, American Gods is pretty much a show that's about all the different immigrants that came to America. Not only did they come, but what they did is they brought their religious beliefs. So they brought their gods with them. And these gods are kind of warring. It's, it's almost like social media because they're warring mm -hmm. for followers. But there is a social it media is, God. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah, there is a social media God because, yeah. but, but that was our spin on today, right? Mm -hmm. On modern times because technology has become a God because people worship that now, yeah. you know? Um, but what, the more followers they gain, the stronger they are in power, mm -hmm. you know? And you, you, you've watched the show, you know, you have Odin who is pretty much trying to manipulate all the gods so that he can become the all-powerful. Mm -hmm. That's dope. Um, obviously, you're on the show, not only, you know, because, you know, you're a dope man, but you also obviously are a father, right? Correct. A father of all girls, though. All girls. I have three daughters, uh, ages from 23, 23, 18, and uh, three years old. That must be tough. <laughs> Actually. All girls? Um, I mean... I could feel the love that you get, <laughs> but now you just gotta. You, you know, you know what's so crazy is, although I'm a man, I've always been maternal, right? My kids, starting from my oldest daughter, was always when she was born was always adjoined at the hip to me. You know what I mean? And that's how it's always been. Like even my three-year-old, when my three-year-old. Her, the first, her first year, I took care of her 98% of the time. And it was simply because, you know, her mother had a conventional nine to five and I work from home. Like I create my own schedule. So I was like, yo, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And her mother had to wake up in the morning. So I was the one that did the midnight, the, the middle of the night feedings um, every single day. I don't know, like, I just have that maternal bone. It's just weird, bro. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, but. um, Would you say there's a, a point somewhere in your life that would say, uh, this is where you got it from? The funny thing is, you're Haitian, right? Yeah. We are Haitian. We, well, oh, all y'all are Haitian. Yeah, yeah. Okay, y'all are Haitian. Bon. So, my mother wasn't was affectionate. Right, it was just think, discipline, discipline, discipline. I don't think any Haitian. But this is, but this nah, is. I'm, I'm, some of them, that's not true because I have a cousin whose mother was very affectionate, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then you have the fact that my dad was never there. Crazy story, my father lived in my building, right? He lived on the first floor, I lived on the second floor. I didn't find out that was my father until I was like 14 years old. What? That's insane. Right? And then, and then a week wow. after my aunt told me, my mother was upset at my aunt for telling me. Of course. A week after um, my aunt told me, like he approached me in the lobby, he was like, so you know. I was like, yeah. So he was like, okay. I'm like, and it went, and it, and it, and it <laughs> went right back to us not really speaking to each other, but What's wow. crazy is, as I've matured as a man and I've become to learn life, my question isn't why didn't my dad love me? My question is, damn, I wonder what my dad went through that made him the type of person that was incapable. That's right? Because I feel, I, I, feel, I feel sorry for him because as a man, I know how the world treats us. I know what we go through. Now that I'm older, you understand? So that's allowed me to have more of an understanding 
You understand what I mean? Because look, let me tell you something. My oldest daughter is 23. Her mother kept that child out of my life for 10 years. Her mother told me she was going on vacation to Florida for a week and didn't come back for seven years. Mm. And while, while, the, while the entire time telling my daughter that I wanted nothing to do with her. You get where I'm coming from? Um, and I'm not saying that that's what my mother did because every situation isn't that. But what I've come to learn is to approach these situations with understanding. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a very mature thing to, like I don't think I've ever heard anybody express it in that way because majority of the time when you hear that like, um, you know, an absentee parent, mother or father for whatever reason, you know, people tend to harbor resentment. Like why weren't they there? Why weren't they, it was going on? But for you to actually consciously like, like I'm sure something must have happened that there's a reason for it. And like, yeah. you know, like, you know, like, as, like you said mentioned before, right? As men, we all go through stuff and whatever. So that, that is a very mature way of looking at it. Do you feel as though that has affected your parenting? Like, or how so if it has? I think it made me a better father. Um, and the reason being is, you know, like, like I have these talks with my kids and I tell them what my upbringing was like and they're like, dad, I'm sorry you went through this. And I'm, I'm like, no, please. I go through it a million times over because that's what molded me into the man that mm -hmm. I am that's allowed me to be the father that I am to you. Because the truth is, you know, from the time I was like 16, I told myself if I ever have children, they're not gonna feel what I felt. Mm -hmm. You understand? So the truth, I mean, it had an adverse effect. I mean, some people, grow up in fatherless homes and they repeat the cycle, it makes them think that that's the norm. Whereas with me, it just made me feel like my kids are never going through this. I, I always had that question too, like, <clears throat> do you think that people, it's hard to really say when you don't, unless somebody on here, I mean, I guess in a sense, it's, it's hard to ask that question to somebody that changed up the way, like you said, that had a, a different reaction to it. Mm -hmm. But then I always been wondering, like, just because the fathers and did, does that make it normal? to you? Because it doesn't necessarily mean that it's normal because you're still lacking something. So then you're missing something, so it's not normal. I mean, t but to a, to a degree, you have to understand, okay, for me, for instance, um, my 18 year old, right? Me and her mother, me and her mother broke up when she was about, I think she was probably like five, right? And then, I had a girlfriend who me and her were together for like four and a half years. And of course, after two years of being together, when we started contemplating and you know considering the idea of living together, I'm like, okay, well, if we're gonna live together, you have to meet my child. So, I mean, first thing I did, of course, was brought my girlfriend to meet my child's mother, because that's just out of respect. Mm -hmm. And then um, when she came into my child's life, like my daughter loved her to death, you know what I mean? And when we broke up, like my daughter actually cried. And like, I sat my daughter down and I said, listen, I need you to understand that this isn't normal. What you're watching isn't normal. Like you saw me and your mother be together. We broke up, it didn't work out. Now you see me and her together. We broke up, it didn't work out. I need you to understand that the goal is to meet someone, fall in love, get married, be together for the rest of your life. Because what we don't realize is Yes, our kids learn from what we say, but they also learn from what they're watching us do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the important thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think the important thing is to have the conversations, you know, with your children. Um, so in those situations where the absent father, you know, 99% of the time, it's, it's a situation where the mother's so emotional, 
if it's not talking down about the dad, there's really no dialogue there yeah. about it. It's almost like a ghost. In a sense. Yeah, like like it's 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 almost like the elephant in the room that mm -hmm. no one that no one talks about. And I think, you know, never underestimate how intelligent children are and what you can talk to mm -hmm. them about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're very, they're extremely observant. They they observe not only what they see, but what they you know even you know the energy and the feelings. That's all stuff that comes in, and you don't know how that's gonna translate outwards. So when they might act or or, or be away, you know, having those conversations to see like where that has come from. And I think that's that's also a newer thing, I think, for like, you know, our uh, second generation, third generations of Americans uh, from West Indian households, at least, of having speaking, period. <laughs> like, I was growing up, like, mm -hmm. you only spoke when you were spoke to, spoken to, and you only said something when, you know, they asked you a question, and that was it. That so was don't it. say nothing about nothing. So even if you saw, you know, Jean-Claude and Mary Antoinette, whatever, doing something, you didn't say nothing, and it didn't matter because you knew as a as a as a child not to say anything. But, but I don't think it's just like in the Caribbean household. I just think it's something. It's, yeah. it's just just generalized because, like, my lady, she has Tia. She has a she has a firearm. Mm -hmm. So when she gets dressed, go to work. Like sometimes Steph will ask her, like, "Mommy, what is that?" He's not dumb. He know it's a gun. So she say it's a firearm and it's dangerous. But I had to tell her, like, no, you have to let him know, like, no, it's because he's going to ask you, what's a firearm? Now you you being around the bush. So be straight with him. Tell him exactly. it's a gun. It's dangerous. You cannot use it. It's not for you. It's for police officers. It's for people in law enforcement. You should never touch a gun. Like, you let him know that. Like, there's a toy gun. This is not a toy gun. This mm -hmm. is a real gun. Mm -hmm. And I had to get her to understand, like, this is what you, you need to speak to them. As if they, you know, a person like yeah, don't just little try to dumb it down so, or go around the corner. When it's time like, to talk about understand. sex, you're gonna do the same thing. When it's time to talk about sex, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like we like. His birthday, I know. Are, are you saying that because you have boy? a boy? Yeah. yeah that's my next question. Exactly. That's my next question. I know, yo. No, your version of beast talk is gonna I be easier. Ridiculous. It's easier for me to talk to him because he's a boy. Yeah, of yes. course. But I think if if when I have a girl, I think it should be a conversation with both of us. But I, I think that conversation should be a conversation with both of y'all. For me, even as far as sex, I mean, listen, my my tactic has been this, right? Um, since my since my daughter was a child, I've always told her, when you have your first kiss, daddy wants to know. When you have your first kiss, daddy wants to know, right? I want you to tell me. And she, you know, and as she got older, like she's like, Dad, like you still want me to tell me? And I'm like, Yeah. yeah. And the reason being is because. I've always wanted her to be comfortable, right? So that when it happens, it doesn't feel like I have to hide this from my dad because my dad always told me he wants to know, you know? But I mean, I, I, of everybody here, I'm the only one thus far who will have had the conversation with both boy and girl, right? Uh -huh. My daughter, she's gonna be 16 uh, next week, actually. And, you know, obviously my son just turned two. So even her, like when she first, so he's not like twenty eight months right now. He's just two. <laughs> he's two. <laughs> and technically, it would be twenty three months, but it's cool. Why he's counting? Right, nobody's counting. He's two now. He's just two. He's just two going on freaking fifteen. This kid. But when even like making normalizing those kind of conversations and letting them know how it's okay to just be free and open about these things. Um, like I remember when she first was becoming a young woman, right, and, and menstruating. It wasn't like I wanted, I even spoke, speaking to her mom, my, my fiance, like I went out and I got like 
like snacks and what everything to make it comfortable to be like, yo, like this is something that's always gonna be happening. I want you to feel comfortable with it. If you are in any discomfort, like you can come to us. If my if your mom's not here, you can come to me and you know express whatever it is. So even like now, she might be like, yo, Chris, uh, you know, we you about to be out of pads, running Target, or listen, like there's no more time alone. I need some. It's you know, it's coming this week or whatever. Being able to talk about that, even when it comes to like, you know, she's in high school now. She's about to be a junior, and talk about things of like, you know, like if you like a boy, you like a boy, you know what I mean? She, like it is what it is. I just want you to know what the dangers are, what to, things to look out for. And more than anything else, I tell her, look out more for girls than guys because, I mean, I can't speak for anybody. For me, I feel like more times than not, guys have better friends at that younger age because I feel like, it's, I don't, I can't say what it is, but it's like, you know, real clickish with girls. With things, you know, like today I like the, as adults. Yeah, I mean, even as adults, <laughs> but and I, th- I know it was a lot worse then. I mean, back then or whatever. Is it? But is it? I mean, it's, I think it's a different degree because they don't have the same understanding as they do as adults. I think as you become older, it becomes a lot, there's a lot more malice involved. As a kid, I think they don't really know what it is. And so it's a lot just off the cuff versus I think it's a lot more intentional as it become adults. I, w- I, w- I, w- I would agree, but unfortunately, like we live in a world now that is bombarding kids with so much information mm-hmm. at such an early age before they can put things into perspective mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I think about my, 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 my daughter telling me, you know, her freshman year in high school, coming home and she's like that, like I'm in the cafeteria and this little girl's talking about how she only talks to guys for money and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you have to understand that this is going on as early as junior high school, mm-hmm. you know? so. It's like the world that we we're living. It's not. It's no longer the world we grew up. No, in. it's absolutely not. You know. Um, so. It's 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 just it's it's difficult, man, to gauge it. It is, and it's 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 so fluid, and and that's why I want to continue to always have those conversations with her and my kids because, like when we were younger, things that went on in school and high school, things that I've seen, I can't go to my parents. I'm like, yo, son, homie in the cafeteria, wild thought, and gave homie a fuck fifty. Like, what what are my parents gonna do with that? Put me on a boat and send me to Haiti, thinking it's safer? Like, yeah. like what are we gonna do? Yeah, but, but we're, we're, now we're, we're a different type of parent, though. Exactly, and that's why it's <laughs> very important knowing what's on social media because, like. We we grew up before before the internet, during the internet, now with everything that's going yeah, we on. And it's we're learning these new things as they are also. So it's a lot easier now for us to have this conversation, like, hey, listen, I see what's X, Y, and Z or whatever. Let's talk about this. Yeah, and but and I also think like we're more relatable, right? For instance, like my my daughters tell me like, Dad, like, you're really like the flyest guy I know. Like, you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't like that with my, with my yeah, 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 you, yeah. you get where I'm coming from? Like, like, <laughs> like, like yeah, like, like my, you know, I went to my daughter's high school graduation in some off-white fours and an off-white shirt, you know what I'm saying? With some essential some shorts. Regular like, shit. Yeah. yeah, you can get with me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. My parents would have been there in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get what yeah. I'm saying? So, Six, like, 80 degrees, 90 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Suited up. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and my daughter has some runs on. Like, it was like, come on, let's go. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? So I think we're just a little more relatable. Um, yeah. I think the only disconnect sometimes is from the father to the daughter because, you know, like I told you, like I'm a single father. My daughter, my daughter's mother died when she was 13 and she's been with me ever since. Um, and being that she's a female and I'm a guy, no matter how comfortable we are as daughter and dad, there's still things that she feels a little weird to, to talk to me yeah. about. You and, that's, and that's natural, but I also, 
and something we talked about in, uh, in previous episodes too is I just want her to always know that it's uh, a lot of overcommunication is always available. So no matter, even if you feel uncomfortable with it, you might go to your mom first or some aunts or whatever first, and that's no problem. But you still want you to be able to say, I can still go to my dad if I need to, you know, because I know growing up, I'm sure my sisters would probably never talk to my dad about none of that stuff. Like they would never be like, like, hey, my parents come. Like, no, that's a conversation was only for moms. Neither one of our parents, period, yeah. though. Like, there was no line of communication. <laughs> yeah, whatsoever. it was like, like, you know, it was like either was you needed not, something yeah, for no, school, I'm, life, yeah. and it was almost and, like a and, business and transaction. Eat. So you're right. we had a conversation. That like, was it. When you need something. Yeah. Shit, might have felt like a, that, like, a, no. like a free roaming kind of jail in a way. You I only know? had one, like, I can only think of one time I had, like, a heart-to-heart with my mom. Out of all the years. But now we speak because, you know, you're older. You're older. You're older. Now it's easier. It was one time I was uh, 15. She was taking me to an audition. And I just found out that my biological father is not, well, my, my father is not my biological father. Just through my brother being nosy, going through a birth certificate. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, they ain't tell us. Yeah, 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 of course not. She's like, you a kid, they don't have to. Yeah. That's why I said, of course, you know, your pops, are, he ain't going to tell you. So, of course, she was mad at your aunt because, you know, no one should, that's a secret for the family that the kids can't know. So, when we found out, and she, she knew I was, she felt like I was mad at her because even though I needed her to take me to audition, like, I didn't want to be there with her. And she, she, felt, she felt the vibe. So, that's the first time we actually had, like, a hot dog. She's like, you know, I was waiting until you guys are older. I'm like, I'm 15. How old were you waiting for me to get? Like, am I at that you going to tell me on my deathbed? I'm going to say that. See, I'm dying. Oh, that by the time, way. My, my brother's, like, 16. I'm like, yo, we're old enough. Like, this is stuff that, you know, you can have a conversation with us about. And that's the first time, you know, we talked about it. And we had any sort of conversation on any emotional level. Other than that, like you said, it's a transaction. It's mine. I need this for this. Yeah, that's that for that. Like, I that find that. those days too. There was like family. I don't think it was even Haitian. Family is just mad secretive. Like around those years, like like if you was born like in the fifties and on or something like that, it was mad secretive. There's always some secret. Like uncle ain't your uncle. Your this person ain't this person. This person is not mm-hmm. the friend. This is so and so's cousin. Like, but then today is just like. That's the part I do like about today is like kids for most part are more open to being themselves despite, you know, you are, of course you have different things going on now from sexuality to finances, all this stuff, but people are so much more open mm-hmm. and it's just so that we, we have to have the conversation with our kid because if, if you don't, somebody else is going to have it. So you're almost being, I hate, to, not even say I hate, but it's like you're forced to be the parent. You that have to. You have yeah. to be. Because as a guidance counselor, I'm going to have that conversation. You got to have like, the conversation. I'm okay with them coming to my office and saying, Mr. Remy, I need a pad. I'm like, all right, cool. Look, the pads is over there. Go get a pad or go see so-and-so to get a pad. Mr. Remy, I need a condom. Bro, I got a drawer full of condom. Check the dates because they might be expired. (laughs) (laughs) But see, but but that and that's that's part of what I think is missing because what I've always said is children are supposed to receive two educations, one at school and one in the home. Mm -hmm. Without the communication, there is no education taking place in the home. Like the school school is there to teach. And and I, I always make this clear, like as far as my children, and, and, and the school is like, look, just like if my daughter got in trouble for getting into a fight because somebody hit her and, you know, we go up to the school and they're like, look, you know, we have a no hitting back policy. I'm like, I could care less what your policy is. Like my policy <laughs> is if someone hits her, she defends herself. Mm-hmm. You're here to teach her the basics, science, math, reading, history. I'm here to teach her life. That's not your job. You understand? So if y'all want to suspend her, she'll go, stay home, watch TV for four days. Who cares? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But that's not your job to teach my child life. Yeah. You know, but once again, without See, that, that's that's the battle, right? So I feel yeah. like 
as because I work in a school, mm-hmm. I feel like we should be preparing them for life though. As far as life decision making, maybe not like that's something that should come from home, but letting them know like when you leave here, it's bigger than just this math, science, history, or whatever it is. But how do you really teach a kid that in school? What's outside of life when the school because is because that's a, why I feel like <clears throat> we should have these life skill programs. Like I didn't know how to cook, do laundry, and 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 that's something. You know, my mom is Haitian, so she does it all. She, she'll wake up, she'll cook breakfast, she'll do laundry. I can sit there and watch her, but she never actually taught me. See, I my mom to, taught me. That's yeah, the funny But part. then my mom didn't teach me. So I had to learn all that while I was away at school by myself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we incorporate these programs in school where we teach them how to do laundry. But we they have, used to have no, certain no, things fine. like that, that's right? That's fine. They used to have like, like home ec and things yeah, like that. We, we have they don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. Like, those programs used to be. Yeah. When, I, when I say life, I'm not referring to like, you cooking, know, cooking. I'm talking about as far as how to think. Yeah, how to act outside of here. Yeah, like like that's my job as a parent. And the reason being is because, you know, the school can't teach a child life because you have different parents, different religions, different cultures, different ways of life. You understand? And it is... You don't know what that parent wants to pass on to that child. Right. And that is their right. You understand what I mean? That's why um, with everything that's going on now with the whole uh, LGBT thing, you know, that's my only issue with it is, look, it is not for you to teach my child. It is for me to teach my child. Mm -hmm. You get where I'm coming from? Yes, I I teach my child inclusion. You should love everyone. Everyone has the right to be happy in this world. You understand, but it is not for you to, but in the same breath, everyone has the right to be happy, but you also have the right to not like something. That's a fact. You get, no, one, no one can deny you that right. You don't have the right to, to uh, pretty much push your opinion on anyone else, but you have the right to not like so, something. All right, now to flip, to flip this, right? To play devil's advocate about that situation. You want Lightly, those dumb, dumb, of course. Dumb yeah, those are the subject is really <laughs> yeah, touchy. Yeah, yeah, you can't <laughs> say dumb people. Yeah, you can't say dumb people. That community, but yeah, continue, yeah, yes. That community, right? So, but on the flip side, right? Maybe what, I, is what I'm thinking, they trying to tell like kids how to do, like bring awareness to it, which I feel is parent's job to do it, should do it. Uh-huh. But the schools are doing it because maybe they're trying to defend the people of that community that's in that school to not to other people to interact with them correctly. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So they they feel like they take the initiative like listen, and we're not sure if home is teaching them or not, but we're gonna do it. And and I and I feel like they they doing it to teach them, but they never like have consent from home. I so think- so I feel like it should be a consent thing. I get you want to protect and make everybody feel equal and, and there's nobody better than anybody or people know what's going on. But they took the initiative to just do it. So maybe it's just being dumb See, because they just want to protect. No, they, they don't do it in school, though. No, nah, they don't do it in school. No, it's just the, the, the media and I mean, all that kind of stuff. Though, you know? Maybe that's the angle. You, but, how do you get consent from the world? They just put it out there. You understand? And, yeah. and I guess, I guess. And they, everything. I guess, like, I guess they, they fail. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm trying to, I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I'm just trying to bring light to it to understand it. Like that's the only thing I could think there's of. No to, to make I it, can't, there's no way. I can't explain it. There's no way to understand it. There's no, no there isn't. There isn't. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I try to see. I, I, but you know, here's, here's what I want to say about I don't think that, there's right? a logical approach. There, there, to, right. to there isn't. There, I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like there's a logical approach to it per se. I feel like the the the, the most the the farthest I feel like it should go. It's kind of like when you do like a lot of jobs, right? You have like diversity and inclusion training and say, okay, look, listen, you everybody's entitled 
to do their own opinion. Everybody's entitled to be who they choose to be and present how they present to be, which is fine. I do not have to agree with it. I will respect that you, you are who you are, the rules. which is fine. I will respect whoever you choose to be. I will respect that. But if, if it's not something that I choose to engage in or I like, you now cannot in turn tell me that I'm wrong mm-hmm. for that. That's not the case because if we really want to go, I mean, we don't want to go down a rabbit hole with it, but just being a black person, period, like, what are we talking about right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys just bypass that, right? Like, you know, at the, in the beginning of, like, you know, COVID and X, Y, and Z or whatever, right? How quickly did it take them to pass, you know, uh, I forget the exact term, but a hate bill against, you know, Asians? And we've been here for hmm, hundreds of years, yeah. and it's like, shit, I'm it's still like dealing three, with this like shit. Three they said, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So how that was it. It was it. One one little one little ride at Prospect Park. And that was it. Yeah, but 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 look, I I believe that a lot of times, I mean, as black people, we act naive, right? Mm -hmm. If if you go to a bank and you want a loan, right, what are they gonna do? They're gonna look at your credit history, right? If you go to apply for a job, they're gonna look at your resume. Why? Because by looking at your past, they can predict what you're gonna do in the future. Look at this country's past, bro. Like, <laughs> like come on, you, you understand? And, and I really feel like we walk through life with blinders, pretending mm-hmm. like as if we don't I would, live where I we would live. Not, I would these, not hire America based these on These people, resume. just look, saying. The, the, the reality is these people don't have our best interest at heart. They don't. No, of course they don't. They it's, have, it's right there in front yeah. of your face. You, you get where I'm coming from. This entire system was created to keep us down. Correct. And it's, and, still, and, it's self-serving and to them and it continuously still works. So they would not and, do anything some, about that. In some instances, we keep each other down. Because mm-hmm. we won't help programmed. each other. Because, it's, right? because it's systemic, right? It's systemic. It's you got to think how long... like. No, somebody didn't wake up just a hundred years ago and say, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is something that's been systemic. And the same way that we are feeling on, on the oppressed side, the oppressors are also teaching their next of kin and their future generations how to continue to continue, continue doing to the same thing. Yeah. So it's just a constant battle on both how- ends of them teaching them how to continue to do that stuff and being like, you know, crabs in a barrel, things of that nature. Us, like us five, six men in this room, right? We are... We are very unique and very different. Most people can't have this conversation. Most people don't know how to have the conversation or how to articulate them and how to push forward and doing things like what we're doing, right? Putting positivity out there, acknowledging, giving people resources, things of that nature. It's not an everyday thing and it's, it's, it's just so different. And so when people see it, originally, like, they might shy away from it because they just like, mm, that's not like what it is. I'm just going to stick to what I know because at least the things that I've been doing, I ain't dead. You know what I'm saying? I'm surviving. So people are very eerie to try something else or break the mold or, or say, hey, listen, yo, you got something going on. Let's see how this could potentially move forward or whatever. Because it's like, why? And then it's like, oh, if you do get something, well, how'd you do it? Because we're from the same place and we're not supposed to have shit. So the fact that you have some shit, you must have did something that I don't like or something else. So either I'm going to kill you and just take it or I don't want you to keep doing it anymore because now you're making us look bad because you're elevating. You, you, know, you know what I thought was always strange, right? So when um, everything started happening for me and, you know, I started doing interviews with all these major platforms, <laughs> the question that always like really kind of bugged me out was when they would go, so how does it feel to be one of the ones that made it out? <laughs> 
Mm. Bro, hey, ask you, hey, ask you that? Yeah. How does, how does it feel? So how does it feel to be one of the people that made it out? And I'm like, made it out of what? Yeah. The trap that you set for me? Like, oh my God, little monkey, you made it out the maze. <laughs> how did you do this? Like, we set somewhere. They want to know how you did because you can block off that door. And it's not just me. I mean, I've seen I've seen countless people ask that question. Like, you know, how does it feel that's, to that's be one of the people that made it out? I've seen them ask Jay-Z that question. Yeah. Early in his career, like, yo, how does it feel to be one of the people that made it out? And it's like, made it out of what? And, and, and I'm going to tell you what it is. It's exactly what you said, but it isn't even about teaching those that come after them how to continue the oppression. It's about creating a system, creating an environment and an atmosphere that will continue to oppress, right? Know, so that they don't even have to actively do it yeah, anymore. Yeah, we do it. Right, it's just this by simply existing, I'm, I'm continuously moving this machine forward. A friend of mine wrote this document um, and it's called Goddess, Goddess Black, G-O-D-D-E-S-S Black. And what it's about, it's about, it's about white supremacy, right? And what he explained is that white supremacy has existed for so long that it no longer requires anyone for it to it's exist. Mm-hmm. It is a self, it is, it is a self-sustaining entity, right? So it's what, one, two, three, four, six black men in here but white supremacy is still in this room. You understand? Um, you can be by yourself. White supremacy is still there. You know, And it's simply because you've been oppressed for so long, the thoughts that are going through your mind, white, it's like it's, white supremacy is like gravity now. It's a force that's always there pushing you down. Like I'll give you, I'll give all of y'all a perfect example, right? So one of the young actors that I was working with, we went to the supermarket around my way. Um, I get to the counter. He's like, yo, I forgot to get something. He goes back. Couldn't find what he wanted. I'm waiting for him at the door. As he passes the counter, he goes, yo, I didn't find what I wanted. I didn't steal anything. So I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Like, he's like, nah, man, in my neighborhood, you know, they'll call the cops on you. And I'm like, bro, you don't have to explain yourself. You, you have the right to go into a store and walk around for as long as you want mm-hmm. and not buy anything. But then I thought about it, right? And I'm sure, like, y'all go through this. When I go to a department store, even if I buy something or I don't buy something, as I'm approaching the exit, I feel this bit of tension. Yeah, yeah definitely. Always. I feel and I know this I bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, hate bro, but I feel this bit of tension. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. But I feel this bit of tension. Like somebody's going to say something to me or somebody's going to try to grab me. And what, what I realized that a lot of us overlook, you get that feeling because, bro, that's trauma. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's a trauma response. That's PTSD mm-hmm. from the trauma of living as a black person your entire life yeah. in America. Yeah. And, and that in itself is proof that there is a problem, but everybody mm-hmm. pretends like, th- like there isn't. And it's crazy. So, you know, bro, the, the, fact that, the fact that when you're driving and a cop car passes Son. and you look in your rearview mirror to see if they're going to... Ten and two, baby. Even though you know... Your license is good. Your insurance is good. You know you didn't do Yo, anything. Ten and two, music down. It's still windows. Windows. Your heart stopped real quick. Yeah. That's, that's trauma. Yo, it is. It's crazy. Cause I was talking to this guy recently. I was telling you the story. And he was saying, um, and I thought about the same thing about trauma because he was talking to a bunch of men. Like, this guy, he's, he makes money. He does, does very well for himself. But he was just like, he was part of some type of, without putting so much out, but he was part of some type of like uh, panel of talking about some of education. Uh-huh. And then he said they were trying to figure out why, with, you know, this with the kids and his testing and so forth. But then he's sitting there, he's like, in his mind, he had 97% of it all together. Like, right, I could get to the answer of it. But he was so worried about not telling them that he didn't have 3% of it. 
And he said to himself, he's like, he realized what it is with black people. We we are afraid to even be wrong or even lie. Or he said, the next guys come in and then just like, oh, we got to figure it out. But he's like, I know they ain't figured it out. But he's like, that 3%, he's stuck on that 3%. Because we don't get that, second chance. Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. like, he was so stuck on that 3% that he didn't want to even say, I, I could figure it out. These guys went in and took the deal without even having a full 100% of it done. And because like, they were allowed to fail. Yeah, and he said that. He's yeah, like, exactly. we, we always are afraid to lie. And then he's like, he said lack of better words of lying, but it's just like, we're afraid to say we don't know. But even think back of anything, from slavery to anything, you're, if you're wrong, if the repercussions of us being wrong is never as simple as, okay, don't yeah. worry about it. It's all, and then or you try again. I'll try again. It's, mm-hmm. It'd be death. It's locked right. up. It's everything. It's, Especially it's, as black so, men and on top of that. It's, so, uh, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. Know, I was just going to say, it's so crazy because it's just like when that incident happened in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Where the dude went up there and shot all those black people. Yo, I swear to you, because I watched the video. And I have a friend of mine who always tells me, yo, stop watching these videos. You know what I mean? Because you don't realize it, but- What it's doing to you. It, it, it does something to every last one of us. You know what I mean? She compared it. She said, listen, it's the same way how they used to hang slaves, right? In front of every other slave in the plantation, or they used to have horses rip them apart. Like, it's, it's, it's traumatized. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And I swear to you, bro, three days later, I'm in the gym. And I can't, I feel uncomfortable listening to my, listening to my music. Why? Because in the back of my mind, all I'm thinking is, yo, I need to be aware because if a mass shooter comes in here, I need to hear from the first shot so I can have myself prepared to know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, yo, why am I thinking about this in the gym? Yeah, because now it's in your mind. The gym is my alone time, bro. Like the gym is where I decompress. The gym is where I really like block everything out. And it's like, bro, that's trauma. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and I really think that these are the things that people don't talk about. The trauma of living in America, right? And the trauma when these, these, these racist things happen. And although you're not directly affected, you are affected. affected. Mm-hmm. Because it, there's a ripple effect that, 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 that pretty much hits every last one of us. It does. So switching gears, right? <clears throat> All this money and violence. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So, so it took... What was it like 2013, 14? No, 2015. 2015. It took the internet and the hood by storm. By storm. Man, so you you had people running home like 106 and Park was on. <laughs> yeah. How how did where, where did where did this come from and and, and explain explain the origin and how yeah. this came from and 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 how that impacted the community from your perspective? Um All right, so for quite some time I had been looking for a way out, right? Um, And when I say a way out, all I mean is I was looking to find what that vehicle would be that would, you know, take me to the next level of success um, that would allow me to not have to do some of the things that I was doing at the time. And, you know, I had tried to do everything, bro. Like I told you, I did music. um, I had a clothing line that didn't work out. Uh, I had a media website that didn't work out. Well, at the time I still had cloud9tv.net. Um, yeah. um, and my film was just the next thing. Like I literally was laying in my bed one morning and I was just like, yo, what's the, what's the next thing I haven't tried? And I'm like, you know what, film. You know what, I, so at the time me and my boy were living together, I went and knocked on his bedroom door and I'm like, yo bro, I think I want to do a movie. And he was like, you want to do a movie? I'm like, yeah. So he's like, all right, let's, let's do it. You know what I mean? Um, and I bought a camera. 
went and bought a microphone, wrote two scenes, learned how to edit off of YouTube, and I pretty much put it together now. Two months into it, I only had about 18 minutes of footage, and I was like, this is taking too long, because originally Money and Violence was supposed to be a movie, so then I decided, you know what? I'm gonna make this 18 minutes the first episode. I'm gonna put it out, I'm gonna make this a web series. And I literally put it out two weeks later. And for the next seven months, I had six days every week to write, shoot, and edit the next episode. So when that episode came out Tuesday at eight, the next morning, I didn't even know what the next episode was gonna be. <laughs> like, damn, that's so crazy. Shit, I don't even know yeah, how to take and, and, and I did it for seven months straight. And, and it's so crazy because the reason I did the show was I felt that there's an element that's missing from our communities, right? And that element is the voice of the OG. You know how, like, when, when we grew up as kids, yeah. you always had the dudes on the block, yo, shorty, come here, man. Like, ah, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. Give you a couple of nuggets of wisdom and things like that. Or if they saw you veering off to the mm -hmm. left, yo, shorty, you don't need to be doing that. That's you know, missing now. That it's missing. Know, it's, it's, it's gone. It's, it's missing. Yeah. And, and it's gone. These kids have yeah, no morals, but, no street code, no nothing. But I also think I can't even really put them to blame because I think that the adults now want to be young so bad mm -hmm. that they value youth so much that they're pretty much willing to compromise their wisdom or their intelligence or dumb themselves down just to be accepted by the younger generation. Yeah. Um, so money and violence was actually my way of being able to speak to the younger generation. You know, like if you guys, you know, you guys watch the show, you know that there's always morals, there's always lessons in there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all, it's all about principles. You understand yeah. what I mean? Um, and that was the whole aim of the show, man. Like in all honesty. And I think that it's just like, like they always say, the sun will always shine. I think truth will always resonate. You get where I'm coming from. And... I think that that's, that's why the show succeeded so much because everybody loved the show. Yo, I'm talking about yo, from the young, crazy, bro, I done, had, I done had a 60 year old Chinese man stop me one time. Like, what are you you know, I think, you know? I think one of the, I mean, obviously like um, being from Flatbush, I've seen the scenes like, yo, like I was just here yesterday. I shot this shit, like it's crazy. But for me, one of the, one of the few things that really made a big impact on our community was seeing it happen as though it was happening in real mm -hmm. time for us. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you'll like watch a show that's been filmed however many years ago, all yeah. the process out of that, when it finally comes out, it might not be as connected. But we're literally watching this as like, you might see a store that has, you know, a sale for sale. And it's like, I, I just shopped there. Like, I've seen it. Like, You're I know what it is. The Labor Day like, Parade was Tuesday, <laughs> was Monday, and the next day we was right? at like, there was on the a, show. There was, was a, there was a scene of somebody trying to get Migs or whatever, and in my man's lobby. And I'm like, I just left home your crib. Like, <laughs> like when did y'all shoot this shit? Like, y'all waited for me to leave the bluff in my parking spot? Like, so it, it really transcended in the sense, like, people, especially in our community, like I said, it, 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 and that's something that we were all seeing all the time in our lives. Like we're watching these same people do the same things. We know we know the race. We know the mix. We know the blacks. Like like literally, shout out to my man Stripe. But like, it, that's what made it so impactful for us. Cause like yo, we're watching something happening as though it's like News 12 is outside recording this as it's going on, and we're getting the inside thought process of why things are happening. And like you mentioned just now, with having certain moral codes. You know, the character Rave would always say like, he would always have different sort of sayings and different mm -hmm. things, the principles, the teachings 
that he would tell Cain or whomever or whatever, and you would see like they wouldn't heed it, and then you'll, see the you'll get yeah, you'll see the consequence later, and that's something that was happening all the time for us, even even today for a lot of people. Like somebody will tell you something, and you're like, nah, I'm gonna just still try it this way, and the consequence happened, and you come back it's like, ah, oh, I see what you're talking about. But unfortunately, in in that line of life, you don't often have yeah, the chance to come back and say nothing because it's clipped for you. You, right, so, you know? Okay. okay. It's a question for you now. So how you said you did it for seven months, you shoot week by week. How how would you capable of doing that with a full cast, making up lines and getting everybody there on time to shoot? How explain that difficulty? And you got a whole family. Yeah. Right? How, how you how you juggle all that? Because that's a lot. And yeah, mad black actors. Hi, well, you know my daughter. Family. My daughter on the show is my actual daughter. Yeah, we yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it wasn't easy. It yeah, wasn't. That's, that's it, crazy. It, it, it wasn't. If you, if you want Should me to be honest really? with you, the hardest part was the beginning. Because you have to understand that once the attention started coming, everyone wanted to be a part to everybody. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody not showing up. <laughs> you know but, how much times I reached out to y'all to get on my head? <laughs> <laughs> if you check your DMs down, I'm probably in there like, listen, bro, I don't know what you're doing. Listen, you probably in a sea of a thousand yeah, I DMs, know, man. I know. Um, but yeah, like, I would like to say that. Um, At the beginning, it was it was all about love, right? And it was all about my people's belief in me, you know. Um, whether it was Ms. Kane, Shane, or whatever, like I came to them with this idea, like, look, yo, this is what I want to do, and they was like, alright, so let's rock out, you know. What I mean, at first it was like, we going to act, and I'm like, look, we have to act, you know. I said because if this goes anywhere, we don't want to give anybody the power to be able to stop it. You know what I mean? So it has to, it has to be us. Um, and you know, like they, they believed in me, man. Like, like, I, I have to say that even with, you know, however the situation worked out with, um, with Miz, you know, and we don't, we don't mess with each other no more, but at the end of the day, like I can honestly say like, yo, he believed. You know, he believed, and yeah. and it's and it's unfortunate that things ended up the way that they ended up. But now, where and to cast these folks, like were these all people that you just knew and said, "Hey, come and do this," or did you like set out auditions? Like, how did how did yeah, you get these audition. people? I was looking. Was, yeah, I mean, not, <laughs> not, I mean, I, mean, I don't know the process of how this was. Like, was, was you just call anybody up, like, "Yo, you fit this person." People I knew, um, or. People who knew people I knew, yeah. right? So, so I got this homegirl. Right? So yeah. but hold on, but all the people before we started this episode, all the people that we crossed circles with, how the hell we didn't end up on this shit, man? <laughs> Steve, you gotta be better. <laughs> yo, bro, it's so crazy because it was so easy to get on that show. Like, I when, I, not. Went, yo, <laughs> when I tell you, let me tell you, I, I was supposed to. I had a. I supposed to be on the show, right? Uh-huh. I seen, um, dude, Shane, right? Because yeah. at the time I was working the armor truck. Okay. And, and he they wanted to do a scene where they robbed the armor truck. Yeah. And. I'm like, I was like, yo, yeah, but I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm, like, like, I'm really on the clock right I'm now. Like, yeah, I'm like, this yo, is real money. Few scenes, like in a trunk, like, but like, I was like, because I'm like, somebody might really think like some real something. Like, yeah, 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 I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm, well, your boss see and say, whoa, the boss, they be a person because I was I was working the time I was on Far Rock. You know, they they come out, so I was working and by like um um um, what's that shit called? 
over by the sea. Like, okay. It's like when they okay. get like a little nice, but yeah. I'm like, you can't, because we say, God can't be in the hood. It got to be somewhere. We, we was a little bit brainstorming, but I'm like, it's just going to look bad. It's just going to look bad. Like, you know, like, wait, say we shoot in the sea, like, you're like, no, no, that's not how they do it again. I'm like, nah, bro, I can't do it again. Like, the dispatcher already called You got one time. It's so crazy where we where we began and where we ended because, you know, all those shootouts and everything season one, like, we pretty much just did, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I remember one day we were shooting the shootout scene and the, the and the detectives would drive by. <laughs> like, and they literally, they literally drove by and then they circled the blocks. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So yeah, as soon as soon as they circle, you know, I took the camera, Action. put the camera yeah, on, no, I put the camera on my neck and I was waiting for them in the middle of the street, you know, and they they pulled up. And I was like, hey officers, you know, um, just wanted to give you a heads up what we're doing. We're, we're actually shooting this weekly YouTube show that we shoot, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, yeah. Calm them down. Because they're like, yeah, because, you know, we saw the guns and the guys shooting each other, but there was no sounds. Nothing was happening. Like, I'm like, yeah, you know, um, it's just a show we're shooting. So they were like, all right, cool. They was like, you know what, we'll get on the walkie-talkie and just let the officers in there. Okay, yeah. No, because that's, that, because that's another thing that I've learned. Um, I mean, which is something I've always abided by, but something that I learned from shooting that show is that respect will get you so much further mm-hmm. than disrespect. Of course. And I think that that's something that our people totally. really need to learn because, you know, I constantly watch these videos um, with these people getting shot down by the cops. And it's like, bro, just get handcuffed and go to jail. Like, stop, fi- stop fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, and people like, oh, but people, white people resist, all right. But we have to be aware of who we are and where we are. Mm-hmm. You understand? We ain't got that privilege. Right, we don't have that privilege. You understand where I'm coming from? And, and because to me, it's just like me. You could stop by a cop, you can do one of two things, right? You can give him your paperwork, he can do what he has to do so he can be on his way, or you can mouth off and risk him pulling you out the car. Now he wants to arrest you. It's not worth it. It's not. Especially it's, if you know your stuff is clean, it's like, yo, he's gonna be out of there in two seconds. But even if it ain't, just get it <laughs> over, yeah. bro. It's just it no sense. inevitable. Like. To me, to me, it's just not worth it. Like, like, what do you resist? Oh, put my hand behind my back, so, right, officer? That's so it, man. I think, I mean, at one point, you guys, when, with the show, had like a TV deal. Yeah. Right? Um, after season one, we got a deal with Lionsgate, right? Well, Lionsgate Films, and then Lionsgate took us to pitch to a whole bunch of different networks, and stars had picked up the show, right? What a, what, what a lot of people don't know, because you know, I'm just I'm I'm not the type of person to uh, to really speak on things until they manifest. Like I always say, I let the work speak for itself. Like I really didn't put that out there. Money and Violence was actually supposed to be the next show after Power, so Power Book Two was supposed to be Money and Violence, mm. right? Um, we were in development with stars for two years, and then you know. Your man Curtis Jackson swooped in in the last minute and threw the monkey wrench. You know, which I'm not even upset about. Like, at the end of the day, that's the nature of business to do what's best for you. You Mm -hmm. understand what I mean? So that's exactly what he did. Like, I'm not mad at it. Um, But I'm still in talks with a couple of different networks. So what's coming back? Listen. Listen, you already got my DM. Just scroll up. Let's let's, let's put it this way. We naturals on the camera. You know what I'm saying? Let's, Let's put it this way. If it doesn't happen, it'll be because I died. You understand what I mean? Because I'm gonna die trying, trying to get that show back. And, and look, 
a lot of people say, yo, man, won't you just go back to the basics? Nah. Right? At this point, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. Um, for one or two reasons. For one, because the audience deserves more than that. And for two, because the point where the storyline has reached, where we got problems with the cartel, mm -hmm. like 12 people died, you need police involvement, blah, blah, blah. Bruh, we need a budget. Mm -hmm. yeah. We need a budget. If we're going to do it right, we need a budget. And, and at the end of the day, I would rather bow out as the best thing that ever was than to go and try to force a season. You're only as good as your last one. Then we're going to be remembered by this half-assed season. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. be Jordan on the Wizards. <laughs> exactly. Yo, how did y'all get T.I. on the show? That was fine. Because, like, when, like, you know, obviously, like, people might hear things going on, but then when you actually see T.I. on the show, right over there, please. Uno, I'm sorry, cameraman choking. You're all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't die. You, say, you, some water, you can't die behind the camera. You can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yeah, so so how, how, did, how, did, how did that happen? Like, getting, like, T.I. on like, these celebs on the show, like, are they reaching out to you guys? Or are you guys reaching out, like, hey, what's going on? Because to get T.I. out of Brooklyn to come do the show, it's, yeah. for us, we was like, oh, shit. That was <laughs> huge, like, right? That was, that was huge. Um, we got T.I. through, through uh, my, my old manager, Teddy, Teddy Altafar. Um, he has, like, connections with Rock Nation, and he presented it to T.I., and T.I. was with it. You know, um, I thought you sent a DM that you, you know. No, no, no. I was right before T.I. Not at all. <laughs> but um, he presented it to him and he was with it. And you know what a lot of people don't know? The crazy thing is T.I. did that for free. Wow. Mm, so. You know what I mean? Like he he just he once again, I mean, someone else will believe. Do you understand right. what I mean? And he thought the show was dope. And, you know, we just we, what do we, we paid for his travel. That was about it. But um, yeah, he came and he did it. And I mean, and I think he did an amazing job. Like he yeah. was hilarious. So I would have did it for free too. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> so now just, like, just throwing it out there, you know. <laughs> like you go into that point because I was at wondered that line. I see some people because you we talked about how you led up to that point of doing that because he did so many other things. Because you ever I, you ever think of a person like like I look at Jay Z, let's say. Like, did he ever look at himself and like, all right, I'm gonna be Jay-Z. Like the level at Jay-Z is almost a level of untouchable in a sense. You pretty much are on that track in your own way because you're doing things and you progress regardless of the fact that you have things, money and violence, you gotta take a step back to a mm -hmm. certain degree. But you're not, you're not, I wouldn't say you're taking a step back, you're kind of just looking at it for foreseeing, you're walking back and foreseeing what, what it is. Mm -hmm. But then you start off as a YouTube you know, um, film and then series and it's progressing. Things have to change, like regardless of the fact. I'm mm -hmm. sure like the people that's rocking with it. Of course. People got want to get money. People want to get involved. Like you said, Ti did it for free, but then Ti's Ti, because mm -hmm. you you always see that people get to a certain level that is almost become free because you're just now a uh, uh, a community now. Mm -hmm. But what changed for you, you know? Because now you said you uh, you know American gods, um, Godfather, Godfather Harlem. Like you, you're you're in a different room now. Like, mm -hmm. regardless of the fact, I, you, you humble. We hear talking, you're a very humble dude, but then you're in a different room. But then around you, things aren't as humble, I'm sure, anymore. I mean, listen, a lot has changed, you know. Um, I've always said that I've lost more from money and violence than I could ever gain. I've, I've, everything that I've lost, what it cost me to get to this point, I'll never be able to get back, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and it's because, like, I've lost close friends. I mean, both in just relationships severing and, I mean, even death. 
Mm. You understand what I mean? Um, it's cost a lot. It, it really didn't. Sometimes, you know, I ask myself, like, was it, was it even worth, worth it? it? You know? Um, and the reason being is, like, you know, before all of this, like, I, I lived my life in the shadows. You know what I mean? And my intention wasn't to step out into the light. Like, my intention with creating the show was never about fame. It was never, I'm like, I don't even like attention, bro. You know, um, it was just literally, like I told you, like, to speak to this younger generation, right? Mm -hmm. Cause that's what it was all about, you know? But then the attention comes with it, you know? Then the crazy thing about the attention is people always think things are something that they're not, mm -hmm. you know? And people think that attention equals money. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't. But then yeah. that's what people think today, yeah. Yeah, exactly. and, right. then, and, and then when, 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 when you add to that the fact that people don't know the business, right? People see, like, people see someone on television, they think, oh, because you're on television, you're rich, and they don't even understand. It, just, it doesn't free. work that way, no, bro. Free, I got no check. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't no, work does. that yeah. way. It you doesn't. understand? It, and once you do it, you gotta wait, like, if you're really in there, you know, you do something today, you don't get paid on a month or two months later. <laughs> like, if but how about this? That show got so much attention that people don't realize it was never on TV. It was on YouTube. Like you get you get for the pay for the clicks, but I mean like because it's but still it's not that much though. That's what I'm saying. Like it ain't it ain't you know, network is right. It's not on there's no way there. Like 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 it's so crazy because like I saw somebody at Diddy one time. I was like, Diddy, pay Miz a million dollars to come back. The money and violence, and it's like, that's really how you think it works? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, did he like, go back to the, all right, cool. Here we go. This is back really on TV, y'all. Y'all think it works? There's no, no way yeah. like that. It, bro, this is business. At the end of the day, the means has to justify the end. Right. You know, what people don't realize is, bro, I've never made, I've never made nothing off of that show. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's what I had told everyone the first two seasons, like, yo, the play is for us to get to TV. Keep grinding. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the play is for us to get to television. Now, at the end of the day, I write the show. I direct, I edit. So when Lionsgate comes, who do they want to talk to? Yeah. Me. They don't care about talking to no one else. Mm -hmm. You understand where I'm coming from? Um, because to them, everyone else is expendable. Right, mm -hmm. and then keep in mind we you're talking about cast, keep yeah. my, you're talking about Lionsgate that deals with George Clooney, mm -hmm. Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt. You think they give a damn about some about dudes that have no acting? You, you understand? Mm -hmm. So, but then the way people look at it, oh, why are you the only one in these meetings? That's where my because question is. Because I'm the only one in. they want to speak to. Because it's a different. Right. You're you in a different room now. Like it's, wait, let me go in. It's because like if I don't if I don't write this, you're not doing anything anyway. It's, so, but this is but this is what I'm saying, and and people don't understand. It's so funny because um, Emery, Emery Jones, mm -hmm. Jay's boy, had this conversation with me. He told me he was like, "Yo, man, you know that's when everything started kind of." And he was like, "Yo, bro, what are your people doing?" You know, he said, "Yo, coming up, our goal was always protect Jay." 
Jay is who is going to get us where we need to be. Protect Jay. He said, why aren't your people protecting you? He said, everybody's so concerned with they self mm -hmm. that they don't realize, bro, you're, this is who's going to just keep him protected. You, you know what I think would, I mean, it's, it's hypothetical, right? I think more people should learn how to play the game of chess. And not for just like on your phone, like actually play with people who know how to play because it gives you an understanding of like, it's not to say that people are pawns and expendable like just to get rid of them, but there's a goal in mind. And sometimes some people have to, some people, like, you know, think about it. Somebody, how many times you go out, yo, 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 yo my wingman, you got to take that one down. You got to take one for the team. Like, you got, yeah, you got to have to, you got, like you mentioned before, like you have to understand, like there has to be a goal in mind. You all have to be known where you got to go. And it's not that, oh, we all have to reach the top together. You got to help somebody get to the top so they can help you get to the top. Bro. But people don't have that, con that, that. And also another thing that, I could say more than anything else minority and black folks have is they need an instant gratification. They need that. If, we, if I did this today, I need it to succeed tomorrow. And people don't want to put in the work of the long run. That's why people don't invest money properly. That's why people don't do a lot of things because I need it to flip. I need it to work for my benefit tomorrow. And they can't watch something that they put together grow. I'm like, like, this doesn't work like, that well, way. It's when not life. When we life. first started, like, we would have never imagined having Rafe, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, on the nice. couch yeah. with us. Like, but we just kept going. Just kept going. That's it. And That's it. eventually someone's going to see it. This is going to get to where it needs to get. Exactly. Consistency and, 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 it's, and it's so crazy because, like, from the beginning, I kept telling my people, like, yo, look, bro, at the end, at the end of the day, I want us all. I want us all to be rich. But I need us to realize it's not going to happen at the same time for everyone. Some people are going to go first. Some people are going to go last. Some people may not go at all. But as long as the relationship is intact, the possibility is always there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but in our communities, and, and another thing I learned too is be careful about chasing dreams with people who want success to get back at other people. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow. I'm, I'm telling you, get that bad. yes, bro. And that, and that's because if that's your motivating I mean, drive, the same, we ain't got the same, yeah, then we're not the yeah, same. Yeah, the because same. because I want to do this to help, while mm -hmm. you want to do this to hurt. Yeah, it's two different two different intentions. Mm -hmm. You understand? And then and then what happens with those people is they are in such a rush that when it doesn't happen fast enough, they start looking for someone to blame. And, be, and, and then I'm blaming them. It's gonna be yeah, you, yeah. you know. And I always say like. Yo, bro, the hardest thing to do is to be the boss. And the reason being is this, right? When you're the leader, you're the boss. The employee can steal from the job and go, yo, I'm doing what's best for my family. Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to agree. But when the boss says, yo, <laughs> I'm going to have to dock your pay because I have to do what's best I'm for my family, you are the biggest <laughs> piece of shit. Bro, you understand what I'm saying? And and it takes tough. What give you? What? Too much. I'll take some of that Yo, and and look, it takes tough skin, but I'm built for it. You understand? If if there's one thing about me, is the fact that bro, I'm comfortable in my own skin. And there's nothing you can say about me. There's nothing that that's ever gonna make me believe that I'm something I'm not. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, what you saying? Some people don't know how to just practice humility. Like mm -hmm. everyone wants their ego is so high, oh. it's so driven on just 
being better than someone else when like everybody can be. Let me tell you what's crazy. Let me tell you what makes it the craziest situation. When you're dealing with someone that you did business with way before my, like, like I always tell people, bro, I had a beautiful big ass loft downtown Brooklyn before money and violence. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I was doing pretty well for myself. You get where I'm coming from? And the truth is, the money that I saw doing the things that I shouldn't have been doing, I still haven't made mm -hmm. that type of bread yet. You understand? But when, when you and someone were making all of this money together and there was never an issue, <laughs> never an issue, bro, never. And then you come to realize that as soon as attention comes into play, mm. That's when the problems start because now, you know, and, and it's so funny because I remember having conversations telling people, yo, never start seeing you, never start seeing yourself through the world's eyes because the world doesn't know you. The world is going to build you up, you know, and, and success is like a sense. It's like a, it's like a full sense of flying, right? Because you think you're above everyone, not realizing the people you think you're above is who's holding you up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they can drop you in a second, you know. Um, and I think the most dangerous, if you want me to be honest with you, what I've come to learn is the most dangerous thing isn't money, it's attention. Mm -hmm. it's, it's fame. It's that ego. is the most dangerous thing in that's e that's the so world. Ego it's ego. Yeah. yeah, it's ego. Because, And the reason being is because very few people are truly comfortable in their own skin. Very mm -hmm. few people don't have insecurities. So when they get that attention, it just builds them up and builds them up and builds them up to the point where when they look in the mirror, they're not even really seeing themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, I mean, we've all come across those type of people, like, like you said, it's not a money thing. Like somebody could just be an average quote unquote Joe and they're such attention seekers that they'll cut everybody down. Yeah. Cut the, and they'd be like, bro, it's really for nothing. Because nothing. shorty still don't want you. Like you do, like you know what I'm saying? Like regardless of what it is for that job, like whatever it is. Extra niggas. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, <laughs> niggas extra. that's like what you like, said. You're doing too much. It's so true. Cause I always look at I, I try to say it to my kids or even anybody I talk to, like you look at the city lining. And when you look at Manhattan, you see the city lining. There's a bunch of buildings there. Some are tall, so some are short. But at the end of the day, you look at them, everybody that owns is a millionaire. So at the day, I don't care, yo, you the Empire Statement. I might be the Sears Tower, I might be whatever, but then we all eating. So at the end of the day, what am I worried about? I'm in the city, though. Like, like I'm in the room. So it's just like, that's what you say about being, and I'm going to go on that. I had a question for you, because you talk about being comfortable in your skin. Then I know before you saying about uh, men, and it's pretty much just like I always, I think I probably more so speak about it, because I wouldn't say maybe, I am past, I'm a man of myself. So when the man is very in, in, his, in his skin, I had a saying, I think I said in one of the episodes of the past, like a man that's, Emotionally, a man that's unstable, emotionally unstable with a woman, is like probably the most dangerous man oh, in the world. Watch the and, ID channel, huh? <laughs> that's nothing but emotional yeah. men. <laughs> so it's just like, and I always say, if a man ain't in his comfort, because yo, I, honestly, I'll be real. I was, I was having a conversation with him. I was like, I think men are the most insecure beings more than even women, because at the end of the women, a lot of time, the insecurity is what is foreseen. Like you can see it. Like oh, you got your body shape. You, I ain't got a big ass or this and that, but a man, you don't see his insecurities. So at least you could sit there and say like, yo, man is bald. Yo, you could just, you shave off your head. You joke about it, but he could be just cool. He shave his head, but honestly, like, I find like a lot of women, 
they get attracted to a dude that's bald because he takes on his comfort of what he's yeah, bald. Mm-hmm. He shaves it off. And I joke around, <laughs> whatever. We're no different than the guy. He's short. I'm a short dude. I'm, I would tell you, say, yeah, he's short. Like, I'm, I got a 6'2 spirit. Because at the end of the day, he's like, I'm cool with who I am. But then, like you said, when a man is very insecure with it, it, it I think all those things come apart, too. Of course. With, with that, especially, like I said, with you, because when you say these things about your, your, your growth and everything like that, I'm like, I'm seeing, I'm like, there's no way you could grow like that without having some type of security with yourself. Like, yo, I'm good. Like, next thing on, next thing on, whatever. So, like, on your part, like, and then you doing show, these type of shows, what will be your take on that as far as, like, if there's another kid that's out there that's trying to be a producer, there's another person that's trying to do the same thing. Like, I'm sure that being secure is very important, but then there's other sides, because you're there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, listen... Any, I would recommend anyone who wants to enter the entertainment industry, bruh. <laughs> it's open. Yo, it's, it's, look, it's, it's, it's rough, right? Yes, and, and, the re- and the reason I say it's rough is you're basically putting yourself out there to the world, right? To be commented on, to look, they, it's, it's like I always say, they're not looking for a reason to like you, bro. They're looking for a reason to not like you. You know, that's what I always used to say when um you know when, we were shoot, when we were shooting money and violence. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, no. I, I, but some people. When when I say that, it's not about you defining yourself by what they think. It's about understanding what you're entering. Mm-hmm. You get where I'm coming from because sometimes people get caught off guard because they didn't anticipate that this is what was coming. Mm-hmm. You understand? I've watched. I mean, you see it all the time. People on social media turn off their comments. Why? Because people are saying crazy things, bro. Listen, in all the time I've been on social media, and there was a time when for like a year, two years straight, they were calling me a thief, this, that, blah, blah. I didn't give a damn. Never turned my comments off. Read every last comment. Like, okay, whatever. You understand? Um, and, the, and, and, and the reason being, early on in this, <laughs> during the first season, some dude commented under one of my posts, yo, you a punk. You know what I'm saying? You got this, you, you, you let this dude, um, you let this dude bully your man's little brother. So I'm like, yo, who's what? calling the punk? And I'm like, wait a minute. He's not talking about Moses. <laughs> He's talking about Moses. <laughs> <race. laughs> like, you wouldn't get socially, mostly invested to the characters. Yeah, yeah, no. They can't, they can't separate. And, it, and it's That's fine. That's you wait. That's and it. it. And it's fine. Forever. Because, still, yeah, still to this day, people <laughs> stop me in the streets, they call me Ray. You know what I mean? But in the same breath. I understand that Rafe and Moses aren't the same person. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched actors on my show really begin to believe that they're the characters they're playing. And that's that's the that's dangerous. That's dangerous, bro. I yo, bro, I I watched Dark Knight died. Like he played bro, the Joker man. so oh, bad oh, that he just Joe. overdosed. But see, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that. If it was a method to do the best role possible, I, that's fine. The problem is you have people who would prefer to be the character rather than be themselves because they receive more attention and more respect from being the character. You see me, I've always said it. Mo isn't playing Rafe, Rafe is playing Mo. You understand what I mean? So I could care less about Rafe. Like I've gotten attention and respect just from being myself. So it doesn't top for me to be this other character. You understand? Um, But also, touching on what you were saying, like even as far as the whole emotional instability as far as men is concerned, I think that that's the dangerous thing 
with what's going on, with people wanting men to get so in touch to their emotions, right? Bro, we're not built for that. Mm. We're not. Because like you said, an emotional man is a very dangerous man. You know, and God designed us the way he designed us for a reason. We are not good at dealing with emotions, bro. You know, because when we get emotional, we get lost in it. Mm-hmm. Bro, emotions cause me to rob a bank. Right. <laughs> you, you, you get what I'm saying? That's the title of this episode, y'all. That's the that's type of emotions you get. We're going there with it. We're going to the top. Right. But, but do you it makes, it causes so much instability. But do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that it's not good for us to speak out our feelings. I just feel like, like these days, when I meet women and they go, oh, something's wrong with you because you don't cry. And I'm like, cause I don't, I'm a man. <laughs> Ma, I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of people trying to redefine masculinity. Right. Just real I quick. don't cry because I'm a man. Okay. I'm not saying there's something wrong with crying. I'm saying, and if I do, do I do it to myself. Right. Because it's, it's a catch 22, right? A weak man is not a good man. A good man is a dangerous man that has the discipline to keep that in under control. Because all these horrific acts that are happening, these mass shooters, it's weak men that's doing that. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing with, they want you to be more sensitive, right? But it's like this gray area because at the same time- They don't want you to be soft. Right. At the same time, they also kind of look at you like you're weak for yeah. it. Because masculinity... I feel like it's, it's more along, like, I 100% agree with you. And also, too, when they're saying, you know, be more open about it, you know, be soft about it, cry about it. It's more of a control factor from their, from their perspective than it is you actually just being in tune to who you really are or whatever. Because like, when you're being emotional, you're in their arena. Yes. That's right. their arena. So exactly. It's like... You, you like, can't win that. Right, so like trying to have a conversation with somebody and you're emotional or whatever, you look back days later like, why the fuck? I would never say that mm-hmm. shit. No, but you said it because you are now not who you are. You you allowed yourself to be another version of you to appease them. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's all that so happened. My lady, my lady told me, she said, if I walk down the aisle and you're not crying, I'm going to turn back around and do it again. I told her, you turn around. Just not walk down because I'm not going to try. What the fuck am I crying for? Yo, I I pledged for four months. And I'm not trying to call my line brother soft or nothing. But like at the ceremony, they're crying. I'm looking at the niggas. What the fuck is y'all crying for? And it's, and it's yeah, and, 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 and it's okay. It's cool. And it's okay. Cool, that they but cry. That's it's just not, not me. you. It's that's not me. But, and that's and that's my problem. People got to start making things. My problem for you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not exactly. for everyone. It's not me. It's, and, and let me tell you something. So, when my family that looks to me for hope. When my family that looks to me as the rock, when my family that looks to me for safety in times when they are afraid, when they look to me and I'm like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Bro, they're gonna be, they're gonna feel hopeless. So what, does, what do the people of earth do when Superman's crying? And Superman's like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, shit, now. And, and listen, and I, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with crying. If, if, as a man, if that's what you wanna do, fine. 
it's just not for me. It's just not. That's I all. can't, bro. I Yo, can't. Like, I don't even remember the last time. No, the last time I cried was my grandfather died. But before that, bro, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, and, like, I, and I've cried before. I cried when I cried when my boy died. When my boy died at his um at his wake. You know what I'm saying? I could, look, if it hurts, I'm gonna cry. Yeah, but I'm not just gonna cry just because you think sometimes, I should cry. Like I always say, one time a girl said it. That's be it for me. But I was just like. She was just like, oh, you have no emotion. I was like, but if I have emotion, I'm just not emotional. I get that all the time. And then she was just like, yeah, you don't, I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I have emotion. I'm not a heartless person to go out. I'm just don't be emotional. Like, I don't, huh? You know what's crazy? I had, I, had, I had a female tell me that not too long ago and I told her, I said, listen, so if I have no emotion, then what did you fall in love with? Thank you, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, if, if I'm so heartless, then what did you fall in love with? That's, that's so a fact. read all those verses, that's it. Yep. So either something's wrong with me or something's exactly. wrong with you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get down with you. That's bigger so, than now. Let's... All right, so before you wrap it up, right? So um, one last question for you. What do you mo love most about fatherhood? Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a hard question, bro. Because I, I, I love being a father, right? Um, the crazy thing is, my, my oldest daughter was planned, right? Um, I want to ask you, how old were you when you had your oldest daughter? I was 20. Okay. And she was planned. And I still remember saying this to her mother, that, okay, so... I was born in Brooklyn. When I was three months old, my mother sent me to Haiti because she was unstable, right? So she sent me to Haiti to, to be with my aunt. And I was in Haiti from the time I was three months old to the time I was three years old, mm -hmm. right? And it's so crazy because my earliest memory is when I was three years old, when they sent me back to America and my mother chasing me through the airport and me running from her because I didn't know who the hell she was. <laughs> um, and now as I get older, I come to realize it's my earliest memory because it was traumatic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, because they rip, you know, you rip me from everything I know for those three years I was in Haiti. That was the world I knew. You send me to another country to go live basically a stranger. And um, me and my mom's like, like I told you, my mother wasn't that affectionate. So when, when, when I was like 19, I told my girlfriend, I said, I don't know what it feels like to be loved unconditionally. And I want to have a child because I need to understand. I need to know what that feels like. I need to know what it feels like to have someone that's going to love me no matter what. And you know, then I had my first daughter, and um, I think that that's that's what I love the most is is the love, you know, and the purpose that it gives me, right. All of these things that I've done, I wouldn't have been able. I don't think I don't know if I would have had the drive to do if I didn't have children because they're always my driving factor. They're always my motivating factor. You know, I got up one day years ago, way before Money and Violence, and I wrote a book. Got up one day and was like, you know what? I wonder if I could write a book. I'm gonna write a book. Three years later, I wrote a book. But part of what was driving me was, I wanna show my daughter I could do this, right? And I've always said this, that as my kids get older, I want them to go, I wonder if I could write a book. Of course I could, I saw my dad do it. I wonder if I could do a film. Of course I can, I saw my dad do it. You know what I mean? Um, and it's so crazy because my, my, my 23 year old, she put a post on Facebook a couple of weeks ago and she said, um, my dad is the reason why I know I can do anything in this world. 
You know, like he is literally proof. And um, yeah, good. yeah, it's crazy because I'm getting goosebumps as I'm saying. So this. you gave me goosebumps now. Yeah, right? even my daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, li- bro, listen. My daughter wrote this. Um, when 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 my 18 year old, when she was 12, she texted me at midnight on my birthday, and she sent me this text, bro. Yeah, I wish I had it to read to y'all. Like when I tell you, it was just. Oh, and the craziest thing that she said in the text was, Dad, I know you would do anything. You would do anything in this world just to make sure I'm good. You know, and the reason that kind of resonated with me is because, you know, we're not perfect, right? We're all flawed. And your one hope is that you can treat your children in a way that conveys to them how much you love them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the one hope, right? Yeah. Is that before I leave this earth, that they know it. That they know, like, yo, kid, I would jump out this window <laughs> for you. Like, like, do you understand that? You know, and and that was the thing about the um the message she sent was just that um she knew, right? Like, even when her mother died, and she told me, she said, Dad, I'm not gonna lie, like when, when mommy died. You know, she said I was in a fog, but she said, but the one thing I never questioned was whether I'd be good. Like, you're here. Like, I know I'm, I, mean, I know I'm going to be straight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the crazy thing is, because that's that's my question is, I wonder if the day will ever come that my kids realize that I needed them a million times more than they ever needed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't know, now they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah, but but I would say if the one thing I love most about being a father is is just the love, man. Like, and it's it's the love that goes both ways, mm-hmm. right? The love that you give, the love that you get to give, and the love that um that you receive. Because it's so funny because loving them changed my life, right? Loving them has caused me to make so many decisions. You know, even like when my daughter's mother died, and it was like, and it really dawned on me, like, yo. If anything happens to me, you know, like my daughter's on her own. And that made me stop a whole bunch of things that I was doing that I shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because um, to me, the scariest thought was to be sitting sitting in a cell, knowing that my kid is out there in the world by herself. Like, I can't have that happen. Couldn't mm-hmm. have, I can't have that happen. That's impossible. That's powerful. You know? Oh, dear. Right. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up every show, uh, we go around the room and uh, everybody gives their dad and tip of the week. It can be something related to just being a, a man, a parent, or something uh, related to being a dad. So who wants to go first? I mean, I'll start since we're right here, and I just want to, you know, pay you back. So just while Mo was speaking, I think my dad and tip of the week will be um, to love, to love. I said, a lot of us try to, you know, hide that emotion and try not to show that, you know, there's something that we actually care about. Because I know my mom and dad both care about me. Although we didn't have these conversations, they ain't speak, I know they love me. And it's important to just show your love. Now, don't wait too long to show your love. Just show them that you love them. I know my son know I love him. He, he, he just know, like, mm-hmm. he tells daddy, I love you. And I know I love mommy too. And I know y'all love me. Like, he know we love him. And that's important that's for them to important. know, like, yo, you love him. Dope. 
From what you were saying with like with the whole the business of filming and how you gotta deal with juggle everybody's personalities and things like that, a lot of people have to understand that. I mean, a lot of people won't people won't understand actually. Like your ego, your ego could could kill you, and most of the time, egos are always kind of bad. Like if you think of like, it's not a, it's not a good ego is never attached to something good because the was we don't call it egos. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's confidence now. You know, it's, it's it's good stuff. So we have to learn to stop making a habit of having egos, especially if we're friends. Stop. There's no purpose. So if you have an ego that bad, then we shouldn't be friends. That's that's just my that's it. Mm. What do I got this week for y'all? I'm gonna start writing this shit down. Right? I'm seeing him going like, yeah, like, like is it always me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching my turn. As y'all talking, my mind is working. Like, right? what am I going to say? I'm glad I'm going to last, right? Um, I would say for anybody, right? Um, and it, it can go for no matter what field you're working in, and even just as a parent, right? I think um, always be networking. Um, the other day I was coming home a wagon full of groceries and stuff like that. Shout out, you actually get a wagon. That shit saves lives, bro. Make one trip. Wagon. The, yeah, one of those like foldable wagon joints. Can't steal with a wagon, bro. It's just too hot. <laughs> it's not. It's not. No, I steal with a wagon. Actually, you could. You do it right. If you not nah, t- listen, we don't give, we don't give out too many secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, but you could, when you yeah. taking taking all that stuff out of the truck, you got to go upstairs so to I'm the house you, or whatever. Them, them bags that they have you bring into the store was the worst thing they ever thought about. Oh, yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. what I walked in here with, so <laughs> I could already have a value in my car. Like, no, 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 you know, the pandemic, so it's, it's hard as hell to get that. And I've told you guys before, I want to, well, I want to put them, in, um, my lady and my son and the mommy and me, because she's not uh, a great swimmer right now until they don't do that. So I was just talking and talking to him or whatever. He's like, yo, I go to this place. It's called this, down the third or whatever, whatever. They're great. They're good with the kids. He's doing He's doing extremely well or whatever case may be. So I started looking into it. And even though they're a little bit out of the way compared to a lot of other places, it looks like that's probably where we're going to go with. And I say that to say, like, if I didn't just stand there and have a conversation with him about, you know, the kids and what's going on or whatever, like, I wouldn't be put on to something that's going to help my children in the future. You know what I'm saying? I don't want them to jump into 20 feet and try to die like side. You know what I mean? So we just got to help each other out. And that's why I say we're networking, right? Like, if we didn't reach out, we wouldn't have more on the show. We wouldn't be where we are today. So it's always networking and being positive and putting that out there. And that goes back to what Sai said, the ego thing. If you was just sitting there like, nah, I, I, I ain't about to talk to this nigga. I don't want to know. Like, the, way, the way we grew up has taught us that. Like mm-hmm. The way we grew up taught us, you don't speak to people you don't know. You walk into a room mm-hmm. to speak to someone you don't know is actually a sign of weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're afraid. So mm-hmm. it's so crazy because when I started in this industry, you know, I was very closed off. My manager was like, bro, you cannot be like that. Like, you have to talk. To-. And, and, and it took a while for me to kind of rewire myself. I mean, I'm still like that to a degree. Like, I'm, I'm very, very antisocial. You know what I'm saying? But once the conversation gets started, like, you know, we could talk for days. Right, right. But 
And that that's one of the disadvantages of growing up in the hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, you you yep. you don't speak to people that's a fact. that yeah. you don't know. But then you think about it too, right? A lot of times growing up in the hood, those OGs and those who's really getting to it, like they know somebody, they oh, they know everybody. Like mm -hmm. they know a guy for this, they know somebody for that, they know what it is. Oh yeah, now I got somebody for this, somebody for that. So it's like a closed network, but yeah. You know, we understand why it's closed off, but yeah. Network is, I mean, network and that's, is that's the important. only reason why I DM'd you back in the days, because I, I, I said, you know what? If I don't say nothing, he'll never know. Even though he ain't read the DM. You gotta find a better way to get the message across. I didn't say nothing, but. No, nah, but. Um, give me a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, shoot me a text, man. Shoot me a text. I'm always looking for actors. I know, but I'm waiting on you guys to finish what you have. I'm going ahead, man. Go ahead. Don't let other people's fears stop you from things that you could champion. Basically, meaning, like, don't let people like us, like, you know, I've seen people where we told, oh, I want to do a podcast, but I don't got no time, I don't got that, like, because they fear they don't have time, or they fear they're going to fail. Yeah. So that fear and then I had nothing to do with the next person. You go out there and, and do that. Don't let other people's fears literally be the conduit for you. That's their problem. Like, you scared of something, ain't my problem, then one less person than I got to worry about when I go and champion this shit. So that's my best advice, or so, uh, my dad and tip, you know, tell your kids, tell everybody that. And funny enough, too, I DM'd you, too. <laughs> but he responded back to me. I was like, yo, you need some beats for, your, for the show. Oh, yeah? And he responded, he's like, nah, I ain't doing nothing right now. Oh, okay. He responded, so wow. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Steve yeah. might, have been, might have been a bad day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, because you know that that mailbox gets full, man. Like, I think it was Steve's approach, man. You don't know how to talk to people, man. You got you to DM around the That's right time. You know, yo, yo, you like seven years ago. You, 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 probably you, was my approach. Yo, you ain't DM me like, yo, bro, what's good? Did you? I probably was. That was seven years ago. I was good. I'm trying to get on. I don't know better seven years ago. No, I get it. I get it. Now, it's like, you you come correct. Yo, bro, I have dudes that send me like they'll send me a picture of them with a gun, like it's like, 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 like a real gun, like like you got wallets. Yo, bro, you don't understand the things people send me, and I, I can just, only imagine people you know, are nuts. And I, yeah, but I'm, I'm not even mad at it because it's just once again, it's it's the things that they learned growing mm -hmm. up with it, yeah. where they grew up, mm -hmm. right? And and to them, that's supposed to mean something to me, right? You get where I'm coming from. But it's from. also what you mentioned before, right? They haven't disassociated Mo from Rafe. So they're saying like, yo, Rafe, what's up? I'm trying to go get a pack, ah, ah. And it's like, that's not okay, a real we person. Yeah, like, what yeah, are we yeah. doing right but, now? But, but, but I'm going home to my family. But I, no. I also think that there's a switch. As a young black man growing up in the hood, there's a switch that you have to turn off when you get a certain age, right? Mm -hmm. When I got... When I got to a certain age, I realized, yo, wait a minute. I cannot thrive in the real world operating by the rules that I learned growing up. Mm -hmm. And all this is going to do is hold me back. And once again, like it's a switch that you have to turn off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the world doesn't operate by the rules of the block. And what we don't realize <laughs> is the block is this mm -hmm. big a percentage of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And these same walls that we think keeps us protected are actually what keeps us confined. Yeah. You gotta yeah, you gotta have like a like a demo. Cause sometimes you be at work in some of these meetings. And you be like, I'm about to turn this shit the fuck up because y'all you got the wrong one. But you know, uh, I think Style might have said it, I don't know how many episodes ago, but it's like sometimes when you're in those rooms, like 
you know, those are some of the most like gang people affiliated. So you got to know how to move with those people without fear and let them know like, you're like, like, I can, I can, Maybe. I definitely said that. Like, I can get, I, can, I, can, I don't have to, I don't have to get on some rah 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 shit. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm smart, uh, smart enough and intelligent enough that I can kill you at your own game, based on the way that I learn how to move outside. I always say that there's so many, there's so many different types of gangsters in this world, and the truth is, the gangsters on the street are nowhere as close to as devious and malicious as the ones in the boardrooms. Because I'm telling you, these people will literally take your entire life from you, bro, and feel no way about it. Not at all. Not only will they take, they will take everything. Generations, bro. You no longer exist, and they go get a drink out of you. Yeah, they will rob you for generations. So you got a daddy tip for the people? Um, Yeah. Even though you dropped mad gems this whole episode. My dad tip is for the guys. And it's to just never forget that you're only human, right? Um, the reason I say that is because as men, we tend to come down on ourselves when we make mistakes, right? We tend to be embarrassed. And you'd be surprised how many homes are fatherless, right? Because a man was going through financial troubles and he would rather avoid the embarrassment mm -hmm. of letting the mother see him that way, you know? And um, who that hurts in the end is the child, you know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. My tip would just be to realize that, you know, we're only human, we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna go through tough times. It, it doesn't define us, no matter what the world tells us. Um, and if you make a mistake, all you have to do is apologize, acknowledge the mistake, and make the appropriate changes. And everything will be all right, man. Boom. You know? So guys, daddies, damn good keep dad trucking. Tip, man. So this is enough. Fire episode. We appreciate you showing up with us. Thank you for having um, me. Let the time. people know where they can find you. Let them know what's coming up next. Y'all can find me. Uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram. Cloud9TV underscore. That's C-L-O-U-D. The number nine TV underscore. You can also find me on Twitter. Although I don't tweet that often. Um, my Twitter is at Motivation. That's M-O-E-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. It's a really cool play on words because my name is Mo. <laughs> Um, and what's to come? Um, well, right now we're in production for the third season of Godfather of Harlem. That should be airing in January. I also have a film that I rewrote that we're, we're actually in the midst of acquiring funding for. It's called um, Son of a Snitch. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that should be coming. No, nah, it's it's. The movie is like... It's okay. You want to have my resume? You want to have anything you need? <laughs> you don't even got to tell me now. Just send when you send, send, send me a sad card, I'll throw it. Um, and uh, also as well, like I said, I, I just don't like to speak on things, but there's something else I'm working with, with I'm working on with a very well-known NBA player. So hopefully that comes to fruition. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great project. And I mean, money and violence... Next season, of course, I'm always working on that. The spot, uh, also as well. Um, Y'all could. There's an app. I, I I acquired an equity stake in a streaming app called Vault. So y'all could download that. You could find the first two seasons of Money and Violence on there, oh, as well, well as the spot, as well as a whole bunch of other content. V A U V A U L T. You oh, could, you could yeah, okay. you could download it right on your um 
iPhone, Google Play, Samsung, whatever. You just have to search Vault Access, V-A-U-L-T-A-C-C-E-S-S. -S. Got it. So um, I'm part owner of that stream, streaming app and, you know, just trying to take it to the next level, hey, man. Maybe y'all should stream my podcast on there, you know what I'm saying? Day by day. Hey, I mean, anything's possible. That's right. Put it out there. Anything's possible. Yeah, Listen, we appreciate you. Also, shout out MJ, you know, oh, yeah, special MJ, guest yeah. MJ on the show with us this week. You know, listen, you know sometimes you just got to be dadding. I just told you he was sleepy. Yeah, he was tired. <laughs> he definitely did say he was That's sleepy. Right. And on that note, man, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace out. Peace. Peace.